Good morning and good welcome morning. to our podcast. It's good to have an opportunity to chat together again about Sunday um, uh, and to think a little bit about the application, really. Where does this take mm. us um, after our weekend um, services? Um, it's been a bit of a, a good weekend. So I experienced, what do we do different? I experienced a McPlant mm-hmm. burger from McDonald's um, for the first time. That was quite tasty. It was. I was quite impressed with it. We sat outside King's College on the lawn. For those of you who don't know that we're vegetarians. Oh yeah, I don't know. We don't really talk yeah, about that, do no, we? we don't really. Right, can we say that now? Because we've kind of not eaten meat for six months. Yeah. I think you can say you're a vegetarian if you haven't meat. We've been on the fence whether we're <laughs> actually genuine vegetarians or whether we're just pretending to be vegetarians. But I think I think we can say that we are vegetarians now. I think Having done it for six months and not planning to have turkey on Christmas Day. Yeah, okay. Yep. I think you can say that that's probably yep. um, what you think. So um, McDonald's is a bit of a rough experience if you are a vegetarian because the veggie options are pretty... It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, it's pretty much chips. Yep. <laughs> and some deep fried vegetable thing. Um, but I enjoyed my McPlant. That was good. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you've got a job. Yes, yes, I'm now working um, at at school as a teaching assistant. Well, hey, so uh, that's um, yeah. the first time in quite a few years. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I just want to say for the record, I have been working yes, have for the last 15 years. <laughs> I have been working, looking after our children, but um, different kind of employment. So that's, um, that's exciting um, and hopefully gives us... Yeah, more of a you know a different input into these podcasts, a different mm. conversation about uh, different people that we relate to, um, and really the where where I want to reflect on the Sunday is I, d- I don't want to come back to that. So what you know? So I preached on Sunday, we learned about what the scripture was, we uh, reflected on what Jesus was talking about, we looked at some of the Old Testament passage about mm. what he was talking about, but come Monday morning, um, how does it impact us? What's the um, where does it take us, I guess? Uh, and what do we learn from this character, Nicodemus, that can help us in our week? Uh, what might we learn about some of the references that Jesus made? Mm. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I want to go. You know, So chat around what we've talked about, uh, what I shared about, and then where does it take us today? Yeah. So starting with Nicodemus, you mm-hmm. know, interesting guy, uh, pops up a few times in scripture. Yeah. Um, uh, and kind of centers this figurehead or representative, really, wasn't he, mm-hmm. um, about what was going on? I've always had kind of a soft spot for Nicodemus. Is kind of you assume that he's he's the chosen Pharisee mm. to go out. So so he's already something of the more liberal Pharisee. He's mm, a okay, softer Pharisee that he is willing to go, yeah, and okay. that others have kind of selected that he would go. Yeah. Um, He's he's turned up in the dark, which is interesting. Does do all of his people know that he's there, or would yeah, some people know, be kind of, you know, unpleasantly surprised at the fact that he'd gone to visit Jesus? Mm. It's it's hard to know, but it implies some secrecy, and yet he's still there. Mm. So he didn't have to be. He could be one of these people who just, you know, had his thoughts in private, either for or against Jesus. But he did. He did turn up to mm. see Jesus and he didn't get the warmest reception as well. Jesus wasn't kind of going to let him away with um, with what the Pharisees had been speaking about him mm. up to that point. And we, he kind of steps into this room 
in the dark. We don't kind of know who else is there, do we? Um, no. So there could be other, a crowd of other people you'd suspect. Um, there'd be a few more disciples around. Um, and it is, it, it's a bit of a hostile environment, I think, he does step mm. into. You know, Jesus is not, not particularly... Um, compassionate towards him he's pretty blunt yeah. you know about engaging with him um so it is an interesting encounter and he does take a bit of a battering and yet even at this encountering of jesus there has to have been something that led nicodemus to continue to be aware of jesus and you know ultimately to be the person who carries his body at the end mm. um and it, yeah, just uh, if God were not with you, you know, so he understands. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Just want to read that, that. that verse again. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So Rabbi, he, he addresses him hmm. from with a term of respect from a teacher to a teacher. He already addresses him with some respect. So this is not, unlike a lot of the other meetings with the Pharisees, this is not a hostile. Mm. This is not um, Nicodemus out to trick Jesus. This is quite a humble meeting. Mm. From from how I read it, I read this as Nicodemus is coming across as quite a humble man and yeah. um, possibly caught between two worlds. And, and that's the two worlds that Jesus kind of outlines, particularly as we're going to go on, the, the kind of the difference between the flesh and the spirit, the above and below. Um, so... So Nicodemus is kind of caught between the two worlds. And and yet he comes humbly to speak to Jesus. For no one could perform the signs you are doing. Mm. He acknowledges that God is with Jesus. And I think the, the trajectory of Nicodemus is an interesting one, isn't it? Because they came poles apart in their thinking. Mm. Yeah, Nicodemus would have been entrenched in his thinking. Jesus comes talking in a very you know totally different yeah um and yet um okay this you know i think there's there's a lot of questions of quite how this conversation went and i think from the text it's very hard to say i think you're right i think there's some humility um but then you know nicodemus's question well how can he be born again when he knew exactly mm-hmm. what it, so there was some you know it, it, there was some tension there um but uh, so what does that how does that play out today well i, I do think you know as as christians we're can be very good at being entrenched in our little camps mm. um you know we can hold our position uh and often not speak particularly graciously to others um who think differently mm-hmm. um and i think one of the challenges of a church is how do we all agree to walk together knowing that we disagree mm-hmm. you know on things uh, and i think there's some maturity that comes to say that i don't agree with what you're saying but i love you and i want to learn from you and walk with you and i do think I see this with with kind of Christian leaders sometimes or authors. You know, so yeah. someone said something or they've fallen or something's gone wrong or they've had an affair or the big scandals come yeah. out and it's like you disregard everything they've ever said and it's like, well, I don't think we can do that. I think mm. we can learn from each other even if you know, we've made mistakes or if things have gone wrong or if we don't fully agree with what someone says. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important that we learn from one another and grow with one another. And I do think in church life, um, if we're not careful, we just end up you know, becoming too entrenched and mm-hmm. not willing to hear from each other who think differently. And not just within our own church. It's, it's important that we see the differences within our own church and that we are willing to listen to each other, but that we don't become almost institutionalized within our own church 
you know, a great Shelford Free Church, but mm. that we are willing to hear from those in different church communities, or indeed different religious communities, mm. that, you know, if we, we believe in the truth, we don't have to be scared to kind of to go out and listen to other people um, like Nicodemus mm. has done. Um, even though it might feel a bit cloak and dagger at times, he, he went out in the dark, he still went out to listen. Mm. And I think we should be prepared to listen and give dignity to other people and the things that they're saying. Because he did ultimately change his perspective and yes. his view. And most people, the reality of human nature is most people don't change their entrenched views. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I speak to people and, you know, and it's very clear that their position won't change. It might, you know, I guess over enough time it might soften. Mm. But I, I can't remember, I read somewhere, it's like we're, we're only willing to question like two or three percent of what we really believe. You know, so it's tiny shifts in what we believe. Not, It's very rare that someone makes a, yeah. a total U-turn, U-turn. You know, so from a political point of view, it's very rare that someone you know, is a staunch Labour supporter and that would make a you know an yeah. about turn and suddenly be you know on the conservative side that's quite unusual yeah. you might have someone who shifts slowly over time and becomes maybe somewhere more in the middle um but it's very rare and i think nicodemus did go through a huge yeah u-turn and that's incredibly unusual i think as a character and mm-hmm. as a uh, and as a human because you know even uh, and maybe even our our faith journey some people maybe say that you know i went from you know, kind of the worst of all to mm-hmm. becoming a Christian and mm-hmm. choose a different life. But most of our, you know, a lot of our stories or a percentage of our stories are that we were born up in, in Christian families and, mm-hmm. you know, we continued on a trajectory we were already on. We didn't change, you know, maybe too significantly. Um, and it can be quite frustrating when we meet people and we've we've had a conversation and it's obvious from that conversation a person wants to change. They want, they've seen something different whatever that is they've yeah. seen something different and they want to change and then you meet them five years later and you're still having the exact same conversation yeah. they still are hinting at wanting to change and yet no change has, has come forward and that's quite frustrating and yet here we see Nicodemus and then we can read later on that actually he, hmm. he here was a man with questions but he during the gaps that we have in the text he has pursued those questions mm. further. And change is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because you're right. I mean, there's, you know, people say a lot, but change, you know, or actions, mm. you know, speak, don't they? You know, we can hear all sorts of words about what I want to do or who I want to be or, you know, wanting to change, you know, kind of how you go about dealing with situations. But the actions of doing it is is yeah. quite difficult. Um uh, and not always, you know, kind of, and it's the harder journey. Yeah. You know, we can say a lot of words, but the actions are the harder journey. And um, that's it. So, you know, Nicodemus said, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God was not with him. Now, if like other Pharisees, he just went on with accepting there must be something of God in these signs, but they're not pleasing to me, I'm going to ignore them. Mm. He could have done that. Yeah. Instead, he's chosen over time, we know, to pursue the real Jesus. And mm. I would say for anybody in a position like Nicodemus, with whatever whatever that is, whatever is ahead of you, if you're seeing something that you need to do differently, if you're seeing something that mm. maybe God wants to change in your life, don't 
don't just let it stay in the dark mm. continue to follow it into the light because the you know we you can feel trapped can't you mm. and nicodemus must have felt trapped i mean his whole yeah. livelihood and existence Absolutely. is built around their legal system and the jewish yeah. system of the day it was no small cost yeah. to him and we we will meet other characters in john where actually the there is no cost necessarily to following mm. jesus there's only benefits you know um but here we have someone who will pay a huge cost yeah um uh, and we can we can feel that as well can't we the cost of change you know or the because it's not just the cost to your future it's the cost to your past mm. that you've devoted your past to one thing yeah and to go a different way is to say that wasn't quite right or something yeah. about that isn't right and that's hard because that mm. that's hard to let go of that that time almost and yeah. um, it's not just what will the future bring the future will bring a difference perhaps less money less status it's that i also have to accept the fact that what does that mean about my past mm. yeah and i, I th- and there's a huge investment that's gone into our past isn't there mm. you know and to say that that's not worth anything or that's not you yeah. know worked out um is uh is a bit of a challenge so i think you're right i mean i i think you know nicodemus pays you know dearly for following jesus mm-hmm. um uh, and that's and that's admirable isn't it that yeah. he's gone about that change because I, I don't think yeah i don't think we can appreciate today just how locked in he must have felt mm. um to the system um and how he's seen someone doing something that he's convinced is from god um and we might berate him think well why don't you just why don't you speak up at the yeah. temple why don't you say but the yeah just yeah. the weight on his shoulders um is quite sort of high so mm. no i think i agree i probably am um, maybe under as i spoke on sunday maybe i was too harsh on nicodemus well i also think um john tends to speak quite harshly it it feels to me for um for the most emotional gospel yeah. often his discourse is quite <laughs> blunt yeah, and okay. he he portrays Jesus as a quite a blunt figure at mm. times and i think he does that to bring about um a parallel a juxtaposition yeah, i think that's okay. what's like going on there he brings out a more extreme Jesus yeah, to make okay. sure that Jesus' more extreme views are heard. Yeah. So he kind of puts a black and a white character, a, you know... A, well, it's a good storytelling, isn't it? it absolutely. That's what you do, isn't it? You put two extreme characters. Rather than having characters. a nice kind of soft discussion, he has this kind of, you know, yeah. discussion going on. And so I don't... When I read Nicodemus in this text, I don't, I don't think harshly of him. And I don't think harshly of Jesus in this text either. I think partly I just think this is how it's written. How it will have happened was very, perhaps very, very different. Mm. But how it's written is the narrative style is to show these two different worlds colliding. Mm. And the whole text speaks of two worlds. It speaks of flesh, um, flesh versus spirit, bodies versus heaven above and below so we've got a lot of that going on i think that's what john's giving us here yeah no i agree i agree and then sort of within the first bit of john we've got we've got some interesting props along the way haven't we so we've had the wine you know and the um, ceremonial jars we've had the you know the the whip in the temple you know that jesus made and Mm -hmm. and here we have this um snake stick 
um, which is a really interesting story and uh, relates back to Numbers 21. Um, uh, and you were curious as to whether that was where the medical... Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, you see from, that, but it wasn't. No, I, d- I did look at it. It's very, it is very different. Um, I think. But that's interesting, kind of. Yeah, you know, times when snakes are connected with healing. Yeah, it, it wasn't interesting. And if you don't know, we don't tend to. Use, do we use it in this country as much? I'm not sure we use it anywhere. But if you. And if you go to Europe, you see this. A snake yeah, so, in a, so it's like a kind of a, a snake with a. It kind of more of a dagger, really, than a, a stick coiled around a dagger or something like that. But I, I think that's more Greek. Um, God's okay. thing. I did look into it because I thought, oh, was that relevant? But it's not. Um, but this references um, Numbers 21 where um, you have grumbling um, Israelites, which is not um, not unusual. No. Uh, and Jesus sends if, this. In fairness, if I was an Israelite, I would yeah. have grumbled. I mean, I grumble a good deal as it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you do. Yeah, I do. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but they're grumbling. Should we just take a pause? <laughs> well, they won't know if we've paused it or um, <laughs> come back after and had a big argument about it. But we haven't, I haven't pressed pause. Um, so they're grumbling. Jesus, so God sends this plague, this mini plague of, mm. of, of snakes that kind of bite them. And I'm assuming kill them. Um, then they all say sorry. Um, ask Moses to pray on God's behalf. Um, or pray to God. Um, God then says, you know, tells Moses to make this snake on a stick put it up high and if an Israelite gets bitten by a plague snake they look at the stick and get healed um which I wanted to ask how do they see the stick because Mm. we're talking about a small nation (laughs) moving around the desert here we're not just talking about the congregation of our church in which case yes if one of us got hurt Martin could hold up the snake stick (laughs) and we would look to it that would be great but we're not we're talking about a small nation and one stick so Mm. Not to call in any question, biblical authority here, but it just seems a bit bizarre. I mean, there's a few questions like, how big was the stick? Like, you don't expect it was like a 30-foot stick. You think it's like a, probably like a six-foot stick. So yeah. you're not imagining they've made a, a But you've got to thing. have a stick big enough that if, say, somebody over in Scottsdale's was to have been injured by a snake all the way over here at the Free Church they would be able to yeah. see the stick. That's, yeah. you know, but but I, perhaps even further than I mean, that. we're stepping into knowledge we don't know, but I'm assuming if you got bitten by a plague snake, you wouldn't die instantly. Okay, you would have been bitten, have and then someone would have carried you to the stick. A few miles to the yeah, stick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it didn't say it was instant death. Well, that's true, actually. So you don't snake, die of plague. Snake venom does take a good amount of time, so you'd have had the agonies of being in... Yeah, and dragged, or someone's dragged you along, and then kind of shove the stick in your face. I think we should move back to John. <laughs> I think we're in so. dangerous Because, territory. I mean, next chapter on, you've got a talking donkey, which, um, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> kind of in... Uh, and you, but anyway, we're kind of referencing this <laughs> stick, um, this snake stick, and, uh, and then Jesus kind of relates himself to it. And the interesting thing about that, that stick um, was that Hezekiah destroyed it in the end because um, everyone thought it had this magical power, um, that it was the stick that stick that kind of healed Mm -hmm. them not god's grace uh and i I think it it was in it's interesting kind of how we might use the cross in some way as thinking it has magical Mm. power um yeah i watch quite a bit of football and you know you see footballers pulling them out kissing them yeah you know doing the cross um think yeah the the power of the cross was enough to make a vampire 
yeah die just yeah. looking at the cross it's interesting so it's the symbol seems to have magical properties yes and and that's the uh, and i guess my kind of thought is do we bestow magical properties to those things um or do we just acknowledge that it's a symbol of something more significant mm. um because some of it's you know i know some people have like holding crosses and and crosses that are so significant i don't necessarily think people think they're magical no and um, there's some comfort in it and there's probably comfort of having a cross around your yeah. neck but that can turn into a you know a, a, it's not a talisman i think that's the difference yeah it's and and football is probably are superstitious for lots of different reasons and the cross becomes another and showman they're also yeah, showmen probably. they like to demonstrate they love to look what up they're to they're doing the, love, you know kind of pray yeah. and look up to the to the camera yeah, yeah what uh, god i was gonna say but yeah no but i'm thinking it's more <laughs> to the camera i think maybe it is to the camera um and it can become one of those things um Mm. but this just like the stick in the desert wasn't the point um or the you know having that stick there the cross you know is a symbol and a continuing symbol today Mm -hmm. that points towards what jesus did um if we had a bit of the cross and i think they still say if you if all the bits of the cross were put together in every monastery and shrine there you know it'd be a boatload of crosses yeah um but if we had a piece of the original cross, it would not have power. No. It's got nothing in it. No. You know, it's... It's an artifact. That yeah. Would, that would be it. But I guess as as kind of humans, we quite like to bestow magical properties to mm-hmm. places and things and uh, and trinkets. Um, and maybe that's just human nature and not necessarily bad. Um, but I do think, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that the snake stick got turned into something... You know, mm-hmm. really significant, and the cross can be as well in the church mm. turned into something sort of magical um, when it's not necessarily. But Jesus was really using it in verse fourteen as a, a comparison between yeah. himself, not necessarily the cross, but yes, himself. He was. he was lifted up, yes, just as the snake was lifted up. This is a story of healing, yeah, and he's showing that he was going to be lifted up. Yes, he was the one who heals. Yes. Um, not not anything made by man yeah yeah and that's the um that's the point isn't it and i mean the other the bit we have is it's kind of a lot of language uh, you know above and below heaven and earth Mm. that's picked up in in this um in this part this idea of you know jesus is the only one who's come from heaven so you know he's the one with the true wisdom and there's the bit further on that we didn't really read on sunday um where it talks about uh so john verse 31 yeah and then before yeah um the one who comes from above is above all and the one who's from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth so there's this heavenly perspective that jesus brings Mm. um which is unique in that sense you know i think there's lots of images of heaven isn't there that come to mind but jesus was and is the only one who speaks of any authority mm-hmm. on it. And the Gospels don't present a huge amount of information no. on it. Um, and I think, I, I, I can't remember, but I don't think Israel had the same kind of view of this above. I can't, I can't remember quite what their perspective on kind of heaven and hell was. I think it's, it's really hard to know. There's books written on the subject, but that they had less of an understanding of a dualistic heaven yes. and hell that we 
that we have. So they, they kind of had this idea of end times and yeah. that the world would end, you know. Um, I don't necessarily think they had the same concept of of kind of heaven that, that no. maybe we, you know, Victorian tradition yeah. might have. Well, I think it's um, medieval, medieval society right? really. Yeah, more okay. Than that. Um, so then we hear, we have this idea that God's from above and then we have earth below um, and that Jesus speaks of wisdom from above mm. and, and we speak from below and and it's hard to, you know, because ultimately we'll always, we'll always only ever think as if, as earthly people think because that's our whole world, yeah. isn't it? And the whole concept is that earthly way of understanding. You know, if we, you know, we have an understanding that if we bash our toe, it will hurt. Yeah. You know, if we, you know, do something wrong, the likelihood we'll get punished. You know, there's, that's a very earthly way of thinking about life. Mm-hmm. And, and that probably just relates back to what we talked about last Sunday with justice. You know, this idea that, you know, we, we will always have this injustice in the world because of our understanding of the world. But mm. God has this overarching, you know, kind of perspective. And that's when, when we get any glimpse of the world that is not material that's through the spirit yeah so it's through the power of the spirit gives mm. us a glimpse to the world of heaven um it gives it's us also a, very subjective isn't it and so you know really hard to grasp but i think and that's why i think you if you have ex- when when a person experiences something of the spirit you can't necessarily talk about it, but you do know of it. Yeah, okay. Um, but you can't talk of it because it's not of the flesh. Yeah. So, and I I don't necessarily think that's even exclusively limited to Christians. I believe that other people can experience, mm. you know, moments of the Holy Spirit. Mm, yeah. Um, and when we, you know, love makes very little sense in terms of flesh. It kind of evolutionarily took speaking yeah love doesn't make a huge amount of sense there's other things that do make a lot of sense protection you know kind of general care and well-being yeah. of your your family um all that kind of thing but love itself doesn't really mm, make a huge right. amount of sense so that's where i would say love is the realm of the spirit and it, there's a lovely verse in verse eight that said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Mm. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Mm. It's mystical. This yeah. this type of writing is mystical. It's kind of like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, and in one sense, what does that mean? I don't know. On another sense, you get this, you get the, the meaning of it. Mm. Um, you get the spirit of it as it were yeah i i think that's a really good um illustration of what love is because it you know you're right in a sense you know the survival of the fittest mm. you know theory doesn't doesn't correlate with love because no. people make decisions based on love that are not necessarily you know what was in their own best interest absolutely um you know or in their own well-being it's for others mm-hmm. um and you're right the the concept of love and the idea of understanding what love is and you're you know connecting that to the and the passage there so that's um yeah it's an interesting one but it, you know we we're talking of things we know little about as well when we think about mm-hmm. heaven and above and you know all of that concept and people have tried to formulate it and put you know kind of theories together and theology or theology around it but um it is a difficult one to comprehend and in a sense i think we're all like nicodemus we're all 
groping in the dark for something yeah. we've gone to jesus in the dark not really understanding mm, yeah. that which we're talking about but but coming to say we see something of what you do yeah. that must be god so my my closing application on sunday was don't be like nicodemus um but i think yeah. we're kind of saying come monday morning do be, <laughs> do be <laughs> like nicodemus <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come in the dark. Come in the night when things are scary and unclear mm. and find Jesus in that darkness. <laughs> so, you know, it that's that's not a bad thing to go from turning We're totally up. changing my yeah, my concluding point. Yeah, um, that's that's and, keeping you humble, isn't it? And do be like Nicodemus in that he was willing to change. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've got to be willing to change, you know, our understandings change our theology change our thinking uh, and be gracious within that if we're so set and hard mm-hmm. um how how does that demonstrate that love and that breeze you know of the mm. spirit um so yeah do be like nicodemus absolutely <laughs> um and i guess you know my other kind of just the last point we're running out of time but um this idea that it's that the message isn't just a message for the few it's for the many you know this idea that um it wasn't just for israel um it was for everyone Mm -hmm. um and as a church community that exists to serve others you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. exist to serve itself it exists to serve others um it's uniquely different in that way you know we give not that we receive that we share that with Absolutely. the rest of the world um and that the church is never to be considered a holy huddle or a holy um closed group uh, and it's such a, a a kind of a um deformed view of church if we mm-hmm. think that you know that's uh a horrible expression of because it's going right back to what jesus is speaking yeah. quite aggressively against yeah. in john's gospel in, mm. in all of the gospels but particularly here in john we're hearing jesus almost shout yeah. and at times i believe actually shout yeah. no this is not it's for not the few and yet as a church throughout church history yeah. we've been guilty of trying to preserve this for our 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 mm. church, our select. Um, and let's just declare that to not mm. be right and not be what Jesus was calling for. There we go. Well, we'll conclude on that. Um, and that message has been good. It's been good to totally change um, what my um, <laughs> my sermon conclusion was. Um, but thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for being part of the ongoing conversation here at Great Shelford Free Church. Thank you. Goodbye.